0: Hello and welcome, this is Lynette Louise, your story teacher host, and you are listening to a new spin on autism, Actual Answers. I don't always have an answer, but I really try to come up with one. In fact, I like to boldly go where no host has gone before, out of awareness and into answers. You know, every question does bring with it an answer, whether you like it or not, so be careful what questions you ask, you will end up somewhere as a result of and that's kind of what's going on today. We're going to talk about some really cool stuff, but before I get into that, I want to remind you to hang in all the way to the end, because not only are we going to have a great guest, but we're going to have a okay, okay, it's the great guest giveaway. And after that, the, the always sought after
1: stories
0: from the road. Okay, so... <laughs> My guest today is going to be, I hope, a surprise, a pleasant, wonderful surprise, actually. Um, And before I get to her, I just want to bring up a subject that's in the news. Right now, everybody's talking about the teacher that put the child in the duffel bag as a means of punishing. And uh, it's all over Facebook and all over the news. And the question, of course, is should we put our kids in school? We put our kids in school to prepare them to become adults. And unfortunately, whenever something like this happens, the pendulum swings all the way from trusting the professionals over to, oh, now we have to keep our kids at home in order to prepare them to become adults. And I'm hoping that today's show will help us to strike a balance. You know, for the new year, kind of start out balance. It's what we're all aiming for, right? fat people go on diets, and the smokers quit, and us autism moms that are swinging back and forth like pendulums try to find some balance, at least to begin the year with. So I think our guest is going to help us with that, um, whether she knows it or not. So uh, the way that I thought we'd do that is by discussing both at once. Janet Grillo is an Emmy Award winning producer, and she's the writer-director of the acclaimed fiction feature. Fly Away. Okay, Fly Away is a story of autism and uh, she's the mother of a child on the spectrum and Janet tells a deeply personal but, okay, but, big but, not autobiographical story in Fly Away. It's about a single mother who is confronting her autistic child's adult future. And I am so thrilled. Before, I, before you say anything, Janet, I have to tell everyone, I got her at the last minute. We found her at the last minute. And so she has just jumped her schedule around in order to be here. So thank you, thank you, thank you, Janet. I really appreciate it. Hello. Hi.
2: Thank you for giving us this opportunity, us being everybody involved with Fly Away. Um I was
0: speaking for myself as well as
2: for a very dedicated team of people who made this film a
0: reality well thank you i actually um I'm giving you this chance because it gives me a chance.
1: <laughs> I always
0: believe in win win um i so i you know I write books and I'm working on a film myself and I do a one woman show different things like that and I always have in my mind the question of what is my story? what is it I am trying to say to everybody what's the question i'm raising what's the answer i'm giving and I want to know what motivated you uh, to get behind this story and to write it and direct it, and what was it that you wanted to give to the world when you did it? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I had a
2: bunch of reasons that were uh, urgently compelled me. I have to say, I didn't feel like I chose to make Flyaway, I felt like I had to make Flyaway. It felt, I, I was very driven to do it. Um, I should say that uh, we made Fly Away as an ultra-low-budget film. We made it for under $200,000, and we shot it in 14 days. So although it is absolutely a feature film with professionals that is quite professional and seems like it was made for millions of dollars, we did it for very little money. And it's a hard way to make a movie, but I was really driven and was blessed with a team of people, of, of very qualified people, who participated at very low fee or donated or donated services because we all believed in what we were doing, which answers your question as to why did we make this. Well, I am the mother of a child on the spectrum of autism. And although my child is very mildly impacted, and in fact, at this point in his life, he doesn't even really quite meet the criteria for diagnosis. He's been through so much intervention and it's been so successful that he's, sort of on his way out of the spectrum, which has been a small miracle. But during these years of devoting myself entirely towards his progress and his program, I have been so moved and so inspired by the heroism and sacrifice of so many parents and so many families with kids who are very challenged and and felt very compelled to share that journey. I had written and directed a short film that was more autobiographical, that was about a mother getting through a day with a teenager with sort of Asperger-type presentation. And I had the great opportunity to share that short film at various film festivals around the country. And invariably, in the audience of of that short film, there were parents of other kids on the spectrum. And invariably, the first question was always, are you going to make this into a feature? And I started to understand over the course of the year of showing the short film at various festivals over the year, I started to understand they were really asking, will you please make a feature? And that sharing this experience was something that was, I could do on behalf of, of others. That I could, because I do have the filmmaking skills and these professional skills, that I, I could tell the story on behalf of those of us who are on this story. Um, one of the parents that I met along the way said, every child on the spectrum is different, but every parent is the same.
0: They're all certainly on the same journey and the same battle. We're talking about it as if the people have seen it or know it. So just to give a sense of it, it's, uh, there's another film similar to it. I don't know if you've seen it. It's called David's Mother. Uh, and similar and different, of course, as all films are. But what... When I've looked at all the different films, they are the only two that I've come across that really deal with the concept of somebody who's low functioning, at least socially. This girl in your film, she has language and stuff, but she's certainly having serious, serious issues with uh, her social skills and her sensory integration and her anger management and all of that. And um, and it takes sort of this journey between this the mom and the and the child with autism and this relationship and how it impacts her whole relationship and what she ends up having to do in order to deal with her child becoming an adult. And I don't want to give away the ending, but I did want to give them a sense of the story so that as they listen to you, they know, you know, they can imagine uh, what it is. So tell me, in writing that, what was the gift you wanted to give?
2: Yeah, uh, first I'd like to say that if I'm thinking of the same movie, David and His Mother, I believe that's a documentary. Am I right?
0: No, no. It's with um, Christy Alley,
2: actually. Oh, right. It was from many, many years ago. Yeah. Ah, right. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I also felt that it was very important to tell the story of a severely impacted child because so few movies or TV shows that have been made or are being made about autism that depict autism. Uh, show severe autism. Most show Asperger's and as a result, there are so many people in the general community, in the general society, who think that's the face of autism. In fact, according to the CDC, the majority of people who are diagnosed on the spectrum are mild or severely impacted and those are the people who will reach adult life and continue to need full-time, round-the-clock lifetime supervisions and programs until the day they die. And what's going to happen to them once they age out of the school system? You know, and okay, as you were saying before in the introduction, as you were saying before in the introduction, there's a big question: should we keep our kids in school or not? Well, the real question to me is: what happens when there is no school? Where are we going to go? What are we going to do? And I feel that the gift that I can offer with Flyaway is is to build compassion. I thoroughly believe that if you move hearts, you move minds, and you stir advocacy, and Our kids are going to outlive us as caregivers. And who's going to be there to support them, to care for them, to make a place for them, to fight for services? If the general society doesn't understand the depth and uh, intensity of the need, how can we ask them to help us meet that need? How can we ask them to come and join us to care for our kids as adults? If we have been showing them Asperger people who are able to go off and build computers, you know? So that was very important.
0: Well, I love it. I'm going to interrupt us, and I want to come back and find some answers to those millions of questions you just threw out. Um, But before I do that, I need to take a little quick break that says, hello, you are listening to a new spin on autism. Answers. I'm Lynette Louise, your story teacher host. We are talking with Janet Grillo, and she is the writer-director of Fly Away, and she's also an Emmy Award-winning producer. I want you to stick with it, because, of course, after her, we're going to have OK, OK. It's the great guest giveaway. And finally, to wind it all up and pull it all together, stories from the road. All right. Let's go back and talk with Janet a little more. Um, When I went back to remind everybody what they're listening to, as if they don't know, it's a podcast. I'm sure they remember. But anyways, it's the way it's done. Um, you were just bringing up all of these questions of what, you know, what is it? What's our future for the kids? What's, you know, what's going to happen to them when they're older? And I would love to play with this a little bit. When I watched your film, when I watch any film um, on autism, I can see many, many places because it's in front of me, I'm watching it play out the interactions, where a different result can happen based on different behaviors by the people around, different support systems uh, coming to play and all of that. So when I watched your film, I thought, okay, it could go this way, but if they'd have changed this and this and this, it could have gone that way. The question is, how do we get that information out? How do we get those kinds of answers out? So you chose to use a movie to create awareness but how do we take it the next step? Do you have any ideas?
2: I I'm not really sure what you mean.
0: For example, like um can I use a scene from the movie without you filming? I'll take out early scenes so that it's not a giveaway of the of the show. Okay, sure. Okay. All right, so um there's a scene where the you know the people at the school are really being pushy about wanting uh wanting the girl to go somewhere else because she's having a tantrum, and uh, the mom's trying to pull her off, and everybody's pulling, and everyone's discussing. And when you watch that, this is typical of what you see with the lower-functioning kids. It's a typical situation. It's not atypical at all. It's what goes on. And I found myself going, well, lots of people know how to approach this differently, but it's not done. Very often you end up with school situations like the duffel bag situation. In the, in the case of that scene, because that is exactly what you portrayed is exactly how it goes down, they could have all just stopped. The girl was just tossing awesome stuff around. They could have just stood there and watched her. When she was done, they could have said, all right, well, now that you made that mess, <laughs> clean it up. And if nobody reacted and tried to stop her, a whole different set of results would happen. Understand, I'm not saying that's the perfect way to to deal with it. What I am saying is different responses equals different paths. So we make movies, we create awareness, we put stuff out there. We know this has to be dealt with. We know everybody's only talking about the cute autistic kid that has a great savant skill. Nobody's talking about these low-functioning kids like my son at home or the girl in this movie. How do we change the story with information? I wanted to jump in the screen and change the story right there. What can we do next?
2: Well, I felt that it was very important to show human fallibility and to show how, despite best intentions, people are making mistakes, including the mother. She's not a saint. She's a human being. She's doing her best. She's trying her best. She makes plenty of mistakes, um, as do the, the teachers, who I believe that, All of the educators and all the professionals that I depict in the film are trying, you know, the best that they can. I actually don't think that there's any one answer. I think that there's tons of answers that change every minute of the day according to the needs of the kid. And um, I guess if there's one overarching, compelling factor that would make for the best outcome, it's compassion and empathy. And that if we can stop and think, why is the child behaving this way? What is the child expressing? As opposed to just addressing the behavior in the moment, we might be able to um, approach more generously and find ways to problem solve with the child. Now, that said, I've been in situations where my son's behavior has been so violent and dangerous, the only responsible thing to do is to intervene with the behavior. So uh, don't get me wrong. There are moments where the only thing you can do is address the behavior on on its own level as a behavior if it's violent and then it's an outburst. You can only contain and restrain. The question is, once that's cooled down and the moment has passed, what, what was the antecedent? What caused it? What were the circumstances? And what was the child trying to express? And I think when you get into the realm of lower functioning kids who don't have a lot of language, this is the only thing that they have at their disposal. When we were working on Flyaway, the extremely gifted actress who is herself neurotypical, who plays a severely autistic child, Uh, This actress is amazing. Her name is Ashley Ricards, and she actually is the star of an MTV teenage comedy called Awkward. (laughs) So just to show you her range and her contrast. But Ashley Ricards, who plays the character Mandy, a severely autistic child, when she and I were working together uh, before we started shooting, we went through every scene in the script, and we said, okay, listen, let's go through the script and just take the autism out. Here's this girl. She's 16 years old. She has certain wants, needs. Here's the circumstances. What is she doing? What's she trying to say? What's her objective? What's her obstacle? And so everything that she does, every tantrum, every outburst, is her way of expressing something that's quite legitimate, which if she had language, if she were a neurotypical 16-year-old, she would express this differently. But given that this is her nervous system, this is how it's coming out. And I think if the people in her environment, if a, of that character were to stop and say, "What's she trying to say?" versus just "What is she doing?", um, the outcomes would be different. And I think that the story leads our characters to a place where they're in an environment where it's more of that kind of compassionate, insightful response to the
0: spectrum. That's exactly that was awesome. So awareness is the answer. Well, it's um.
2: I think it's more than awareness because I think people can be aware without being um, insightful. I think those are two different things. Without having insight, insights as to why, and so I think maybe that's the the what could be of help in every situation is to consider why. Perhaps not in a moment. In a, in a violent moment, you have to address the violence.
0: What I like the best about what you were just saying, what really re- resonated with me, was that you were telling her to take the autism out and to think of it like, okay, what's the motivator? And quite frankly, I think you could work with and help almost everybody, including all autistic people, by just removing the diagnosis while you deal with them and say, okay, so what's really going on here? If if you can pass that baton out into the world, you've done enormous, enormous work. In fact, one of the things I often think is that um, where everyone says that autistic people need a predictable environment, it's why they like inanimate objects, et cetera, et cetera, in my opinion, it may not be about predictability so much as it's about the fact that inanimate objects are non judgmental. And they just teach you, you know, your computer game just teaches you without thinking that you're learning too slow or learning too weirdly. So I think what you just shared is huge. If people could just do that, just look at the person, remove the autism for a minute and say, oh, well, what is, is that girl wanting that box of cereal off the top shelf? Maybe I'll help her get it. We're almost out of time. You've been amazing. Um, Can I just offer one point? When when we were preparing
2: and rehearsing and doing the work uh, to help Ashley find her way into this character, one of the things that uh, I said and she said and we said over and over again is, if you've met one autistic person, you've met one autistic person, that this is a person with autism as opposed to an autistic person. Person, person, human being, individual with a certain kind of nervous system. And I think too often, as you said, people are looking at a diagnosis versus a child.
0: Yes, way too often, way too often. So what was the best thing then that making this movie did for you?
2: Oh, that's a hard one to answer. I've had so many gifts out of this experience. Uh, I, I really don't I don't know I can I can tell you some of the top <laughs> I don't know the first best but I think that to have been surrounded by so much um, compassion I was sort of overwhelmed by the amount of support that just emerged out, out of the ether how many people came forth to want to help to be part of it That's been, that was huge um, the opportunity to connect with so many other parents since the film has been in distribution and available in release to have Communicate with the parents on our Facebook page or our website or when people come to, to the movie. Um, today I got a, a message from a woman who said that seeing Fly Away gave her the courage to change her life and enter a master's program to learn how to work with our kids. To see how it's impacted others, how it's given an opportunity to feel that they've been seen and heard. I feel like there's a fundamental human need to 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 tell our stories. You know, with the earliest relics of human cavemen, you see cave paintings. We need to say, I am, by telling our story, by making our mark. And so by, by sharing Fly Away as that, people have felt validated and as supported and have built community. So that's been hugely rewarding as well.
0: I did love what you said at first, though, because it is so common to feel isolated and like you're the only one dealing with it when you're dealing with this problem. And it's so neat when you enter into a project and see all the support just come out of the ethers and go, oh, wow, there is a whole world of help out there. I think it's important to remember instead of feeling isolated all the time. Janet, would you like to share your website, please?
2: Absolutely. And I'd also like everyone to know that uh, the movie Fly Away is in distribution. Um, We did have a very limited theatrical release in April Autism Awareness Month. And then since the end of April, it's been available to rent, to stream, or to buy on iTunes, Netflix, Amazon, Hulu for pay, video on demand through Time Warner. You can also buy it straight from our website. And if you go to our website, you can also get direct links to these other uh, routes of seeing it. And our website is flyawaymovie.com. That's flyawaymovie.com. But as I said, you can find it um, in cyberspace very easily to stream, to rent, to buy, and I I hope that your audience will.
0: I'm sure they will. I'm so glad you came. Thank you so much, Janet.
2: Oh, thank you. Thanks for the opportunity to share this.
0: That was Janet Grillo of the movie Fly Away, and we were very lucky to have her. So awesome. Check it out. You have no idea what you're in for now. In fact, I barely know what we're in for now because it's time for the OK OK. It's the great guest giveaway. But my guest couldn't make it. Uh, my guest was supposed to be a woman that I know that makes chocolate. She makes them herself. They're very delectable. Some of them are dairy-free. Um, and they're incredible, actually, and very expensive. But she was going to give a bunch away. And I thought it would be wonderful to begin New Year's by eating chocolate, because it's a stimulant, for one thing. So if you're exhausted from celebrating, you can wake yourself up because you're going to need it to take care of your child who doesn't care that it's New Year's Eve. Um, And because it's got a, a hormone in it, and I think it's called amandine or something like that, but it's called the forgetting hormone. And it helps you to forget things, so you can forget how you acted on New Year's Eve and stimulate your brain and get up and play with your child. So it seemed like a really good, fun way to move forward in the show. But unfortunately, her car broke down. And instead, I guess I'm going to give away my daughter. <laughs> That's my daughter. I, I I have to tell you about this daughter. Okay, She's my oldest child. And uh, she is the most amazing support network I've ever had in my life, ever could have, ever could imagine having. Um, If I tell her to put on a pink wig and be in my movie with autism, she does it. If I tell her to do craft services, she does it. So I called her and said, what can you give away? Um, It might be the first time she ever said no to me. (laughs) She said she has nothing to give away. And I was trying to remind her that she had made these T-shirts for her. She has um, a Facebook page. She's doing in support of me because she also does press for me. I mean, she's so supportive. Um, So she made this this uh, Autism Answers Facebook page, and she created some um, some T-shirts. And she had one T-shirt that I was trying to convince her to give away. So instead, because she's not (laughs) going to give it away, I'm going to get I'm going to get her to tell you about this T-shirt just because it's fun. So to (laughs) Sara,
1: my darling daughter,
0: who is so awesome. Tell them about your wonderful artistic endeavor with this t-shirt that we are not going to give away.
1: I am more than happy to share but first thank you mom I'm not that awesome. <laughs> um yeah, you are. I think you're overselling it just a little bit. Well, you're... I'm trying
0: to get the, you know, like bids up. I'm hoping that they'll really, you know, come in at maybe a couple thousand dollars right on the top. <laughs>
1: Well, I love you. Thank you. And I would be more than happy to talk about the T-shirt because it's pretty funny and I like funny. (laughs) Okay, go for it. Tell them what happened. Well, I mean, the the idea was I I was hoping people would see my autism shirts, and I put your name on them and the the name of this radio show on some and the name of your book on some, and, you know, just sort of as another way of advertising. But also I was really hoping people would stop me and say, oh, you know someone with autism and ask me questions because they find – that um, usually when I talk to people about it, they, they walk away feeling like they've just been given kind of like what you give everybody, that spin, that new way to think about it. And I feel good about it. So I was all excited to sit and design on a, a website where you design your own shirts, my own shirt. And one of, the, one of the quotes that I got from you from this show that I love is, uh, you keep what you keep your eye on. And I just love that. It, it really helps me to remember, to, to see what my goal is and just, you know, let everything else slide. And meaning so with I your kids, thought, right? Pardon me? See what
0: your goal is with your kids.
1: Well, that's what you were referring to, but the truth is it helps me and actually that and with other things as well. Oh, but, cool. Yeah. I'm, but absolutely. Like, I'm out of the box. I don't just talk about autism. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> Well, anyway, so uh, that's what I put on the front of my shirt. You keep what you keep your eye on, Um, with Lynette Louise as a quote. And, of course, because I'm silly, (laughs) I also put on the bottom um, Mark Ruffalo. (laughs) Because I I wouldn't mind keeping him. He's pretty cute. (laughs) Anyway, I was so excited for the shirt to come, and it came, and I put it on. And Declan, my youngest son, looked at me, and he was like, oh, Mommy, please don't wear that shirt out. It makes your boobs look really big. (laughs) And I look down, and right there on my boobs, it says, you keep what you keep your eye on. (laughs) And I'm like, I I wasn't the intention.
0: (laughs) Well, you could give it away, because maybe on somebody else it will sit differently.
1: Well, it is a used T-shirt that I have worn once, Actually, I've worn it twice, but okay. I have more Okay, 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 it's a great guest giveaway. My daughter <laughs> is going to offer to anyone
0: who would want to have her old worn T-shirt
1: that has been stretched out in the chest region. Ideally, you also will find Mark Ruffalo cute, because his <laughs> name is also on a T-shirt.
0: Oh my gosh, you are so awesome to have decided to join in with us for a few minutes. Um, you can are you kidding? It.
1: This is my favorite show in the world, and now I get to be on it? Thank you. Uh, you're
0: welcome, and your kids have been on it, so it's
1: That's good. That's right. uh, is the mom of
0: the two. If you've been following the series in Are You Normal Now?, we had a little chat with two of my grandsons, and Tassara is the mother of those two boys.
1: The very proud mother.
0: Yes, and Tassara was really, really wonderful. When I'm going to just quickly say one thing, and then I have to close the show. But when Shay, the oldest, the one that, um, just for people who didn't hear it, I'll tell a little extra, um, Shady used to talk like this, mm, 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 and he'd have his fingers in his mouth all the time and walk on his toes, and he had a real aversion to wearing clothes. So he'd mm. often strip all his clothes off, and uh, you know, as soon as he got home from school, he stripped his clothes off. You know, it, on the way to school, he, he was stressed, which he often was about the idea of going to school. He'd have all his clothes off, and Tassar was just so beautiful. She'd go are you ready yet? And he's like, no, no, no. you would be under a towel or something. (laughs) So she'd drive around the block until he was ready. And finally he'd he'd get to where his sensory system was adjusted enough that he could throw his clothes on and get out of the car and go to school. And the amazing piece of that uh, was my daughter and her willingness to do that and allow her son his time. And the other amazing piece is once he was ready and he got out of the car,
1: he was fine. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah, did That's I represent right. that right? No, that you told it so exactly right, and for a moment there, I really missed my little shay. Yeah, he's now, and he's
0: all grown up and doing so well. Taller
1: than me, and yep, And wearing really great his clothes,
0: so, you I know.
1: Yes, <laughs> he keeps his clothes on, <laughs> at least for a few more years. I suppose once he's a lot older with the girls, I'll have to worry about it again. But <laughs> Oh, not with Shay. <laughs> yeah. All
0: right, okay, enough of us. We're, we're turning into mother and daughter and grandmother and all that stuff, and I need to close this show. You can stay and listen, but be real quiet, or you can say goodbye. What's your preference?
1: Thank you so much, Mom. I'll let you go because I might giggle. <laughs> All right, love you. I love you. Thank you. That was fun. Okay, bye. Bye.
0: I really think it's okay if we giggle since we've been oh. giggling. All right, that was the sound of her hanging up. That was appropriate sound, ding, because she's so wonderful. Like it's sort of like the Tinker Bell bell, you know, when something wonderful is going to happen. Ding. All right, um, my daughter. Ding. She's wonderful. So here we go. I want to bring this all together, and it is not going to be easy. I had all these different ideas for the show. It's gone in every direction. But I began with something that I'm going to close with. So right now it's time for Stories from the Road. Actually, we were a a bicoastal show today. The original guest, uh, Janet Grillo, was talking to us from the east coast i'm talking from the west and then right in the middle was my daughter in texas i um i want to go back to this duffel bag thing so there's a school and and they're trying to shape behavior and they're having a problem with the child and we don't know all the details yet maybe by the time this airs you will but um they kept putting the child in a in a duffel bag and the mom came to the school and caught them And, and it's uh you know it's a big mess and I don't know the whole story yet because it hasn't unfolded. And I, I do think it's an important thing to bring up and say, you know, how do we? Um, we're all trying to make this work together. The teachers are trying to make it work. The parents are trying to make it work. The doctors are trying to make it work. We're all trying to make it work. But there is so much finger pointing in this world of autism, so much blaming. Uh, blaming, you know, vaccines. Blaming doctors. Uh, doctors blaming, <coughs> blaming holistic practitioners. Holistic, pra- you know. I mean, it just goes. The circle goes around around. The parents blaming the teachers. The teachers blaming the parents. That very often we put up walls to, um, to defend ourselves, to defend our position, and we stop, we stop hearing each other. And I think somewhere in that uh, refusal to hear each other, stories like the one I'm going to share with you are born. I don't think it's, it stops at us. It never does. It never stops at us. If, if we won't hear each other, that means we won't hear the child, especially given that half these children, or over half, are nonverbal, or at least verbal in strange and limited ways. So we have to be able to communicate with our eyes, with our ears, with our senses, with our compassion. There was a child that I was working with, and. Uh, Much like what Janet Grillo said when she said, people need to be able to say, I am. I think this boy just wanted to say, I am. He was doing great after, when I first met him, he was violent and everyone was afraid of him. And um, within three days, that, that story was changed. And it was changed for over a year and a half. He was no longer violent. He was cooperating. Um, really, by the third day, he was sitting at lunch. It was like amazing to the family, amazing to the people that work with him. We restructured everything, uh, did neural feedback on him, which helped him to calm his system and, and get focused. And everything went really well for about a year and a half. And then things changed at the school. There were different people that came and, and began to work with him and... In the process of this, they started giving him a timeout. And the timeout area started pretty large. You know, it was a, a large uh, fenced-in area. And there were some things in there for him to play with. But he would throw them, so then they were removed. And, um, and then he would you know, run and, and ram against the fence. And so then you know, the area was made smaller and smaller. And by the time um, intervention happened, and he was taken out of that school and moved to another school, everything he'd ever been dealing with before had come back. He was very violent. He was hurting everybody. Um, It was accelerating and accelerating. And I remember in the early phases when the change in his behavior first began, saying, you know, pull him out of that school, pull him out of that school, pull him out of that school. And we didn't know what was going on, but we saw the changes in his behavior, and, it you know, it's not easy. It's not easy to do that sort of thing, to pull your child out of school. You need to go to work. You need to find another school, and, and we all know how complicated this is. Anyway, it took a long time to get it organized, and even though through this whole time he's having neurofeedback, we're able to calm him each time, but not to keep him calm, and so finally, we get to the place where um, we get him in this, other school, and immediately the story changes. Immediately he calms down. He's, you know, they're saying, he's a piece of cake, no problem. And they're approaching him differently. And the story's beautiful. I mean, it turns out well that the neurofeedback helps, the new people help, the team's in place, and he's no longer violent. So what's the point? The point is all these teachers are helping, but the different school made the difference. The best answer I can give you on stuff like this is do it different. So if your child is being controlled all the time and it's no longer working, they're starting to lose their temper, then give them everything they want for a while. If your child is getting everything they want and they're having tantrums, then start structuring everything. Just do it different. Listen to the cry. Don't worry if you have the right answer. Whatever you're doing now is not working. Go polar opposite. See what that does. Don't sit in it. Because a year of sitting in in a situation like that where the the confinement space gets smaller and smaller and smaller leads to walking up and finding that you yourself have started your child someplace you wish you hadn't. And I think that's um, kind of an appropriate way to end. It's a good answer. Just do it different. There's no right and wrong here. Okay? Sometimes one works and the other doesn't. In the movie Fly Away, the mom finally goes, All right, I'm going to put her in this different school. And that different school worked. So there you go. Do it different. It's 2012. Happy New Year. Thank you for being here. My name's Lynette Louise. I'm your story teacher host. And this is A New Spin on Autism Answers.
2: I'm spinning in circles and talking to myself.
0: Spinning in circles and talking to myself. Spinning in circles and talking to myself. I can't hear.